On today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, I bring probably the most iconic mixtape ever to the table. We desperately tried to analyze lyrics that just weren't meant to be analyzed. And we talk about how dance music needs to be held to a different standard than pop music. This is our discussion on Hathaway's What is Love? Baby, don't hurt me. Usually when I get ready for the podcast, I don't know about you, Frank, but I know about me. And what I do to get ready for the podcast is I listen to the song nonstop. So much so that it angers Ashley, that she doesn't want to hear the songs. Yeah, my process is usually you text me saying you're on your way over, then I open up the Wikipedia page and read it as I listen to the song two or three times before you get here. Very funny, Frank. Is the truth that funny? I asked... A big fan of the podcast who never really had a choice, my five-year-old son, Elijah, if he uh, liked today's song, which is Hadaway's What is Love? And he said, and I quote, I love it. I said, when did you hear it? Today. Why do you love it? I don't know. And I feel that a lot of people have the same sentiment about this song. I mean, certainly a lot of people won't admit to this, that they love the song, But when you listen to it, especially when you listen to it about 14 times in a row, you start to really like it. And it begs the question, really, what is love? Before we get carried away here, What is Love by Hathaway was brought to us by a good friend of the podcast and a frequent guest who's here today, Nathan Holmes. And for our regular listeners, they're going to know that Nathan is the older brother of Constance Holmes, who was on (laughs) our podcast a couple of weeks ago. And to our very dedicated listeners, they will understand why that was a hilarious joke. Uh, Hey, guys, thanks for having me back on your uh, wonderful podcast. Uh, I look forward to talking about this song with you. Thank you for the kind words about the podcast. This is a night of firsts for us because this is our first bona fide dance song that we're doing on the podcast. This is why I'm so excited. There's a whole different set of rules for liking or disliking a dance song versus liking or disliking a pop song. Uh, There's a whole different set of expectations for what a dance song should do. So I'm ready to get into it. We're really happy to have your guidance. Well, let's get a little bit into my own uh, CV here. I am a dancer. I like to go places and dance to music that's being played in, a, in say, like a club or a, or a bar. See, I never knew that about you. Well, this is something that happened later in my life because, I mean, this is, we can get into it right now, I guess. But this song, Hadaway, What is Love? If you had asked, you know, the Nathan that you knew growing up, we grew up together, Frank. So. In 1993 when the song came out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would have said, I hate this. 
Yes. Uh, I never want to listen to this, and I never want to be the type of person that listens to the song because I I just hated dance music, and I had a very um, severe, you know, kind of snobbish attitude toward this type of music. And I think that I've I've changed a lot in the meantime. Became a dancer. Can you pinpoint? Not a professional dancer, no, but okay. a, a recreational one. Can you pinpoint your Damascus Road experience when you saw the light? Yes. And became a fan of dance music. It was right before I moved to Chicago, I started listening to more dance music, like house music, for example. And then Chicago is like the home of house music. So I was exposed to more of that type of music when I was there. And then gradually became more open to different types of, of music that you would hear in a club or on a dance floor. Okay. Because growing up, and Bill and I knew Nathan through high school, and I knew him in elementary school. But in high school, and forgive me if I'm embarrassing you here a little bit, but you were the tastemaker when it came to indie rock music. Like, well, yeah, you were the yeah. one that we all looked to for. Oh, wow. If it, I know, honestly, I looked to you as like, okay, if Nate likes this, then then it's cool. Yeah, I think I think I adopted a real kind of uh, again a, a severe attitude, a uh, a very snobbish attitude towards non guitar music or something like that. So, and that you know, I don't know, that changed over time. I think we've all grown up a little bit since then, have we not? Frank, we literally do a podcast on songs we liked when we were in high school. <laughs> so I haven't grown no. up. <laughs> you have not one bit. If anything, we started too old and yeah. we're just starting to catch up to our musical taste. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so why did you bring What Is Love to us? Why did you it bring this song? It was on the uh, list of songs that Bill sent to me. Really? I, yeah, yeah it was already yeah. on your list yeah. of songs. Yes. I know. Frank, you should really check the list of songs we've been putting together. I literally thought that we just made this up as we went along. That's that's how I prepare for these things. Uh, so no, I didn't pick this song. <laughs> Bill and I talked about this song. I wanted to do this song because it is actually a song that it's the furthest away from anything that I thought would be possible to for me to like. And only within maybe the past few years have I really gained uh, an admiration or I, I feel like I kind of cherish this song a little bit now. Aside from being a recreational dancer, vocationally, you are a professor of film studies, correct? Correct. Which is why you probably also love this song because it takes such a prominent role in one of your favorite movies, Night at the Roxbury. Exactly. Yes. Not my favorite movie. <laughs> okay, top five, though. No. I don't think I've seen that. Have you seen the whole thing? Have you seen Night at the Roxbury, the entire movie? No, I haven't seen the entire movie, but I have seen the important parts. Right. This is also a good choice for a song for you guys, because it's a joke at this point. It was right. a song that was made into the punchline of a joke. And to to redeem it is something incredibly powerful to do at this point, because you're literally grabbing it from probably the the lowest depths that any song could ever sink to. You mean the feature spot of a Saturday Night Live movie? Exactly. Yeah, and I feel that's a pretty good way to describe what our podcast does. We are a redemptive force. That is correct, yes. Let's go about bringing this out of the depths and into the light. Like Nate on the Damascus Road <laughs> in Chicago. History of Hathaway. 
Frank, take it away. Okay, is this because I've read Wikipedia? Well, this is your specialty. Well, yeah. Hadaway, his real name is actually Nestor Alexander Hadaway. So he's Trinidadian-born German singer. Born in 65, his mother was a nurse, and his uh, Trinidadi was a marine biologist. <laughs> I'm listening to you I idiot. waited so... I waited... <laughs> I waited for days to make that joke. You do that in the Billy Ocean episode too. I almost spit beer all over this. All right. That's not, I guess, incorrect. No, uh, I think it's... He's a marine biologist, right? He's a marine yeah. biologist. Anyways, parents separate in the early 70s, and he goes with his mother to America, grows up in Chicago and Washington, D.C. for a while. Starts listening to, like, Louis Armstrong, and he learned to play the trumpet at 14 years old. This is all just right on the Wikipedia page, but, you know, I feel that my telling of it is a little bit more engaging than you reading it. You could get, a, like, an AI narrating program to yeah. do too, if you want. How do you know I'm not AI? <laughs> oh, I know. So he goes through high school and everything, en- enrolls in medical school, but then drops out because of a lack of excitement. Mm. He moves to Cologne, uh, West Germany in 89, and he starts working mostly in bars and starts his own company called Energy, which is involved in basically organizing fashion shows and photo shoots. Best name for a company that I've heard in a long time, Energy. Yeah, I know, right? He made really good money at that. And so when he went into the, the biz that we're in, we're in the music biz too. I like to think that way. Podcast music biz. Yeah. Yeah. He had to take a chance, right? Because he was making such big money. And uh, you and I haven't taken that chance yet, though. No, 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 no. We, uh, we're pretty safe. We, we have a steady income of $0, and that's just the way we like to play it. So we're keeping the day jobs. Yes. Okay. For now. I think you guys should shoot your shot. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Thanks, Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky. Or They're both whoever. the same to you, I guess. If either of those uh, two guys uh, saw how I shot baskets or um, fired a puck, they would understand that you also miss 100% of the shots you take. <laughs> <laughs> Or if they saw me on the dance floor back in the 90s trying to, like, uh, win over oh, yeah. some lady on the dance floor, they would also know. What kind of club would we find you at in the 90s, Bill? Uh, you'd find me at Big Bucks downtown occasionally until yeah. it got too scary. Yeah. I went to Fever once. Hamilton? And, yeah. And then um, I had beer bottles thrown at me. And then we got smoked out of there. Something went wrong in the smoke machine. Oh, and, really? And uh, blue stuff was coming out of my nose for a week. And then I realized that I'm going to stick with indie rock for the next few years. Sounds and like you don't have too fond memories of the of the club experience. Not at all. Not, not at all. In the 90s anyway. I wasn't built for it. It wasn't my world. And then uh, because it wasn't working out for me, I chose to hate it. Right. Yeah. I think that's a common experience. We have a kind of aversion to the dance music of our generation. I think the time that I remember hearing the song was on Clifton Hill. No, near Clifton Hill in Niagara Falls, there was an all-ages dance club. Yes. That rumors? I went to, maybe with both of you or one of you. Was it Rumors? Because I remember I went to Rumors with you once. 
Uh, the rumors was a different one, but yeah. rumors was not all ages. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this one I think was all ages, and it was like n- inside the um, Maple Leaf Amusement Center or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't serve uh, booze. Yeah, in this yeah. club, and and I remember trying to dress like I imagined club kids would. Yeah, so I wore this kind of fake leather jacket that I had, and then put on kind of a flashy shirt and used a lot of hair gel. And and, and I went there, and I remember, I think they played Hadaway, What is Love? Oh, okay. They also played the Macarena. <laughs> and I remember people kind of doing the Macarena. And when I saw people doing the Macarena kind of robotically together, I was like, this is not for me. I like punk music only. I am not a dance person. And that night, Frank, you got into a fight with two 12-year-olds, right? If I recall, they all... <laughs> So, Frank, not to interrupt your Wikipedia... Um, Recitation. Uh, re- Recitation. <laughs> but I was uh, looking at song facts as well. Yeah. And I actually uh, heard an interview with him from a, a, like a Dutch uh, YouTube channel. But luckily, it wasn't in Dutch. It was okay. in... How do we talk about how he wasn't into dance music? He was into like Tom Petty, Prince, and... Yeah. Like, I mean, Prince's dance music, but I mean... the. Like the type of dance music I think of this as, this wasn't his no, thing. No, 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 not at all. He was into like rock and roll and R&B and a whole bunch of other things, like an amalgamation of things he would hear on Chicago DC radio. Yeah. But then he said- like I knew dance club music was not his scene. No, but he said he didn't think he had the voice to make it as the type of artist he was wanted to be. So he thought maybe he could make his mark this way and something new. Yeah. And it's funny because when they recorded the song and we- can talk about the producers a little bit too after this but the producers wanted Hadaway to try and sing the song in the same style as Joe Cocker and he says like listen I love Joe Cocker but I'm no Joe Cocker which kind of fits in with the the type of music that he likes but he just you know he couldn't pull it off I'm trying to think of what Joe Cocker sounds like wait that wasn't Wikipedia you went beyond no that is Wikipedia oh man it was in the interview this interview is just as Wikipedia stuff basically yeah all right, so the producers of this song are Dee Dee Halligan and Junior Morello. Torello. Junior Torello, which are pseudonyms for um, Tony Heindrich, a.k.a. Uh, Dieter Lundstedt, and his wife, Karen Hartman, I believe her name is. I have Karen Hartman Eisenbladder. That sounds correct. That sounds like a fake name. Oh, does that mean Eisenbladder? Eisenbladder. Well, the fake name actually is Junior Torello. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's right. Actually, wait a second. Eisenblatter is the coolest name ever. Yeah. And then she went with a uh, a fake name to make it seem more. Uh, well, we talked about this beforehand, right? Yeah. Give her street cred. Well, I think so. I think there was a lot of dance music. You know, this falls under the rubric of uh, of Euro dance or Euro disco. I yeah. think at the time, and there was a lot of and German Germany was kind of a center for producing this type of music along with um, Italy to a certain degree. But the Americanization of their names, like the change to Junior Torello, seemed to suggest that they were trying to mask their identities and make themselves seem a little bit more American or at least to appeal to perhaps an Italian audience as well. They sound like names you would see coming out of like the New Jersey like house scene or something yeah, like that. It sounds, you know, it sounds like a, a pair of people that you would ma- you might associate with American uh, house music musicians. So I think that they were trying to to use it to, to market the single. You would pick up the single and see Dee Dee Wallace, Junior Torello. Who are these 
you know, hot new producers on the scene who are producing this uh, guy Hadaway, and and that would give it extra credibility. This does really well in the UK. It goes to number two, but it goes to number one in a whole bunch of countries. It went to number one in 13 different countries. Austria, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, France, Ireland, uh, Italy, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Spain, Switzerland, and Zimbabwe. It, it went to number 11 in the States. Yeah. But we heard it a lot. It was known on the radio. I don't know if it was super popular, but you would hear it every, you know, two hours. Yeah, it was known on the radio. I feel like even when I was in university and going to clubs... It was ubiquitous. Yes. If I can get a definition of what that word actually means, then I can agree with it. It was everywhere. Yes. Okay. Because I, I think even in 96, when my first year in university, I think it was still kind of played at clubs there. For sure. It had like a longevity to it. For some reason, it was... Yeah. I mean, I think it may be testament to the strength of the song itself. Yeah. And I think also because of its association with the skit from Saturday Night Live, which probably came out in 95, 96 for the first time. Something like that. 98. Was it 98? Was yes. it that late? So this song comes out in 92, which is super early. Yeah. When I hear it, I keep thinking it was from the late 90s. But if you listen closely, it has a lot in common with those early 90s tunes. Like Nate said, it had a longevity to it. Mm -hmm. And then when it came up on Saturday Night Live, it was funny because it was old and we dismissed it by then. Even yes. though it was still out there, we we're like, oh, this is the worst. At least to me, it was. It's five, six years after it had come out and released as a single, right? Right. It was in that perfect sweet spot of a song that is about to enter. It's, you know, everyone's starting to forget it or finding it regrettable in some way. Yeah. I mean, think about where we are. What what was a song released uh, five or six years ago that we would find that way? Some song from 2018 or 2019. I don't know any song that's been released after 2002. Me neither. I was going to say Hips Don't Lie, and I realized it came out in 2006. And <laughs> I realized it's still an awesome song. How about Disturbia? Oh. That was from 2008 or seven. Oh, yeah. oh, I can't do this. We, no. No. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. I just started listening to Taylor Swift's catalog like recently, so... I don't know. What was her song that came out five years ago? It's still probably super Time popular. Time moves differently now. Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's more ubiquitous now. Did I get that right? Uh, sorry, I didn't. I, I forgot what kind of podcast I was on. I'll, I'll try to tone down my language. If you look at the D.D. Wallace and Junior Torello catalog, not a lot there. They did a few tracks, but nothing on the level of what is love. So I don't think their careers did too much afterwards and not really a lot for Hadaway. I think he did a few other songs that were in the mode of what is love, but nothing that really um, struck the same chord with dancers or listeners. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. And this is his debut single. Yeah. The first thing you do shoots up to the top of the charts everywhere. A lot then, of pressure. A lot of pressure. Yeah. And then it just did a lot of decreasing returns. Mm -hmm. I mean, now he's still touring like with 90s acts. Like he does... What yeah, the, like the retro remembrance yeah. tours or whatever. So he's making money and for sure. Well, he released something in 2021. Yeah, it was What is Love version 18. <laughs> yeah. 
But remember, we're not in the realm of the pop song. We're in the realm of the dance song. There's a lot of people are throwing things against the wall. You know, they're hoping right. something will click with dancers. And this right. is, you know, one of those things that did miraculously because it is in many ways, although I love it, it is kind of a garbage throwaway song. And Hathaway himself says it's very safe. He goes, you have to sing it just right. It has to be done and produced in such a way that it's appealing to lots of people. And he referenced... You know, you can feel whatever you feel about Britney Spears, but people liked it and listened to it at the time and bought yeah. it. And that's how he felt about this is like it met the needs of the people on that dance floor. And it had that specific space in history. Yeah. And who has not asked themselves, what is love? Funny you should ask that question, because when I typed that into the Internet, eHarmony came back with a oh, definition yeah. of what love is. You cannot be demanding or selfish in love. It has to be real and should allow space and freedom. Love is the smallest thing, yet it is so much more. It comprises a host of feelings, emotions, and attitudes. Okay, if a dating site on the internet can't tell me what love is, I don't know what can. Are you sponsored? Is this podcast sponsored by eHarmony? Today's all of a episode is sponsored by <laughs> eHarmony. I think it's just sponsored by your dating profile on eHarmony. <laughs> <laughs> According to the Guilt Free Pleasureverse, love is a battlefield, Frank. I don't disagree with that, no. According to the rest of the Guilt Free Pleasureverse, they also have the same questions. I want to know what love is. That's Foreigner asked that question. Yeah. Okay. White Snake asked, is this love? And then so did Bob Marley. And then Van Halen wanted to know why can't this be love? That's true. But this, I don't know if they ever defined. So the song is categorized as Eurodance. It's a dance song. It gets you moving. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't danced to this song. But the lyrics of it, and, and Nate, you were talking about this before too. The lyrics of it really don't jive with the feel of the song, except they do care to explain well yeah i think for we have to ha i guess uh, hold the lyrics to a different standard again i guess for a pop song you think about a pop song you're listening to on the radio you're listening to on your headphones maybe in your car but in a dance song you're really the listening context Where else could you listen to it um at a hardware store sorry <laughs> so at a dance song you're going to be listening to it in the club and, you know, you're going to be moving your body at the same time that you are processing the information with your, you know, with your with your brain, you're processing the words. Uh, you're, it's a kind of a different, it's a whole different, you know, physiological experience, I would say, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe the lyrics for a dance song are not as formally put together, let's say, as a pop song. Not not a, it's not the prose of the Beatles or whomever, Bob Dylan or... Who, Toad who, the Wet Sprocket. Toad the Wet Sprocket, Gin Blossoms, your um, Sweet Blue Nothings. Is that the band that you were talking <laughs> about? Deep Blue Something <laughs> or DBS as their right. hardcore Deep Blue Something. Called. Yeah. So you're hearing them in a different way. But also on the dance floor, I think there is a tradition of disco music that does confront the darker side of love and of sensuality and pleasure and the coldness that is always the twin of love. The coldness and cruelty that is part of the experience of love. Now you're talking my language because I felt nothing but coldness and cruelty. There's this feels very Jungian. Yeah, maybe. I think young I, or old, I think everyone can listen to it. <laughs> you could listen to this out of all ages dance yeah. club if you want yeah, to. It's uh <laughs> trying to remember the lyrics of the song that we're supposed to be talking about. Are we ready to go into lyrical analysis? I think so. Oh my goodness. So I went looking through the uh, Wikipedia page for the personnel. It didn't give me any players on the song. 
No, it was basically Hadaway and the producers. But if you look at the Song Facts page, they do say who the female vocalist. Oh, good. Who is yeah. it? No, sorry. It's actually on the Wikipedia page. The female vocal on track uh, is a stock sample released on the Zero-G sample compilation CD, Data Life One. This goes back to how much the song is a throwaway song, okay? They're not hiring someone to do the, that female vocal in the background. They're just throwing something in that has been pre-recorded for use by any dance music producer that's working in wow. Germany at the time. So at least they didn't use the woman who did the, um, was that Sweet Temptation song? Oh, uh, Temper Trap. No. No, that's Sweet Disposition, sorry. Yeah, We talked about it for the... Uh, uh, Dan Dan Hartman yeah episode? the Dan Hartman oh yeah, yeah so the, yeah. the Dan we talked about this in the Dan Hartman episode that one of the songs he did the singer for that got sampled like crazy by like Black Box and other bands yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's right yeah yeah and Snap maybe I don't know but, but Black this, Box are great yeah and CNC Music Factory right <laughs> I would Didn't love they? to you know like you could hear Hadaway Black Box CNC Music Factory yeah they're all in the same well, and universe. Inner City remember that because yeah. they all came out in around the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. It was it was the popularization of house music. So house music yes. was just like underground music and then in the nineties it became part of kind of the a mainstream thing that you would hear on the radio. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I'm still trying to deal with this. You just gave me the the name of a file. She doesn't exist. It, like she sang it, but we don't know her name. Yeah, we don't know her name. What was it again? Could you give it to me one more time? So stock sample released on Zero G sample compilation CD data file one. Oh, it's man. actually tracks uh, 62 to 64. Oh, come on. We got to find her. She's out <laughs> there somewhere. All right, so the song begins. I feel, you know, we're in such an odyssey here. Um, the song begins with the name of the song. There's no messing around. It yeah. just no. begins with the song title, What yeah. is Love? It's ubiquitous. I do think ubiquitous works with because the, the what is love will permeate it and come up again and again. It will be all around, as Wet 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 would say about love too, Frank. I'm trying to understand what permeate means. What is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. What is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. What is love? Yeah, that is the first, possibly two, I don't know if we call them stanzas or what we'd call them, but there's a space in between them. Well, they kind of started with the chorus, right? Yeah. That's essentially the chorus. Yeah. And then they jump into that first verse. Yeah, I guess maybe we should go to the first verse to understand the chorus. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good, good. good. We're doing some good work here. Don't forget there's a bit of an ooh from- um, From that robot track. It's so tragic. No, I don't know why you're not there. I give you my love, but you don't care. So what is right and what is wrong? Give me a sign. All right, what are we going to do with that? So basically, it's an unrequited love. It's essentially the story of my life. Yeah, it's like the cardigan song, the love fool thing again. Right, right. right. Does he go more existential on this? Because he says, I don't know why you're not there. 
I give you my love, but you don't care. All right, easy enough, I guess. But because of it, he says, so what is right and what is wrong? He doesn't even understand a moral framework because love's not received and he needs a sign. He says, give me a sign. Which, of course, she has given him a very clear sign. Sounds like he's been getting a lot of signs and not reading them correctly. So, I mean, and this is where it's like, so what is right or wrong? Because I see something, but it can't be true because I love her and love must return to me. How's that sound? Well, yeah. And maybe in his mind, you know, love triumphs over all. So the signs that he's getting, he's just not necessarily accepting because he believes that his love is correct or right. But now he's because he's maybe looking into it a little more he's questioning is my love right i can understand the question what is love if it's actually truly confused if you truly are in a relationship where you're you know you don't understand how your lover is responding or reciprocating but it sounds like in this situation there is no love at all that is forthcoming toward him from his amour from from his amour so it sounds like he's an idiot (laughs) there's something there maybe the night of the rock it's not that much of an existential question if it's more of like a kind of a a mental capacity question thing (laughs) but it becomes existential to the idiot yeah i guess yeah yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't (laughs) deny existential <laughs> questions to idiots and i feel like when i say idiot i'm including um me well myself as yeah, well okay. i'm looking at you <laughs> pointing towards you and saying me and and you and, and me okay. i have uh, i've been a fool for love and also been a fool for trying to figure out what love means when it's just like a really easy answer well e-harmony told us what it was earlier is there anything more in these lyrics that will lead us further into answers to these questions oh, or sure. do they just produce more confusion the, um oh that's good cool well let's Let's go let's go there i mean so next up is going to be what is love oh baby don't hurt me don't hurt me no more well we get the answer that love for him is pain Would, yeah that because be he loves her but it's not reciprocated i got something pretty profound i are you guys sitting down for this you are i'm ready okay yeah. so when the um stock mix cd6 track 68 comes in there yeah the robot singer when we get to the whoa whoa oh oh that part yeah exactly like that follow me here that's the sound of somebody falling i thought that was the sound of you having a stroke (laughs) no when she says whoa 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 that's that's him falling in love but literally the sound of him falling falling. because if you were to fall like when we fall we're pretty silent but i feel if we fell like 400 feet yeah. We, after about 40 feet, we'd go, whoa! Like, ah! Yeah. How I mean, you, that, how would you fall, Nate? What, what sound would you make when you fell? <laughs> that's this, that's what you would hear because I would be disappearing into the depth of a hole. Yeah. What, what's that in the movies? It's the Wilhelm scream. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, it, okay. So that's a comparison because the Wilhelm scream is, isn't that just the zero G? Um, recording of the voice is also the Wilhelm scream. Is a, it, okay. a recording that's used over and over again. Yeah, yeah. To, oh, yeah. 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 Didn't explain that very well, but I didn't even that's pretty big, Wilhelm scream. It's another German thing. All right, we get to uh, verse two. I think this is verse two. Yeah. Maybe this will help open things up for us. Oh, I don't know. What can I do? 
What else can I say? It's up to you. I know we're one, just me and you. I can't go on. There's some math problems here. Yeah. If we're one, and he says just me and you, I mean, okay, Spice Girls are do this later. To become later. one. To yeah. become one. That's a later development in the mathematics of pop, though. Yeah. Currently, we write a textbook about that. Yeah. It's, this is still within the one is the loneliest number. And so, as I know we're one. Well, Bono did this, Frank. We're one, but we're not the same. But he's kind of doing the same thing. I, what is love and uh, one by you two? What do you think? I'm getting really confused. I was never terribly good at math or English. And these are two things that you're throwing at me combined. Yeah. And I don't know how to react. I don't want to throw a wrench in the interpretation of the oh, lyrics. Now we got shop in this mix too. When I see these lyrics, it looks to me like a non-English speaker has written a love song that they think sounds like what people say in love songs. And it's actually just a bunch of words combined together to make it seem like a uh, some kind of... L- classic version of uh, some unrequited love but it's actually uh garbage uh, it's a solid theory i wish you hadn't said garbage but uh i'm gonna <laughs> yeah i'm a little i'm gonna ask you to retract the garbage i thing. think it's okay to like a song that has a lyrical garbage in oh, it, though. that's absolutely. totally fine okay yeah. all right then we'll accept the garbage now that you said absolutely frank you've now retracted your retraction I have a feeling our lyrical analysis is going to be really easy, especially looking at this lyric sheet. A lot of repeats here. Yeah. Open question. Do you think that they actually recorded the stuff or did they just actually loop the original track from the beginning and just... Which parts? Like sometimes I wonder if they recorded 40 seconds and then made a four minute song of it. Like they gave him a couple of choruses and just repeated. Like he gave a chorus like we got this. Yeah, I think that that sounds to me like it's probably accurate. Because the robot singer yeah. will be the same robot, yeah. which really, uh, I'm going to try to let it go, but. Get frozen, Bill. Okay, all right. Your next one here. I'm just going to jump to the third verse. All right. Uh, we yeah, don't... I think we've kind of exhausted the chorus for whatever it is. Okay. Last verse. I want no other, no other lover. This is our life, our time. If we are together, I need you forever. Is it love? Yeah, this isn't really making any sense. No, the lyrics are a little bit nonsensical. But listen, you're in the club, right? Okay, so, and also, this is something that's only occurred during, I mean, I think we took it for granted, but when you go to go dancing at a club that you're kind of by yourself and looking for someone, you know, maybe you're looking for someone on the dance floor to to dance with that you're attracted Mm. to and they're attracted to you and you, you figure out you can dance together pretty well. But you go to the club by yourself and maybe you go to the club by yourself because you're feeling a little bit bitter about something that you're coming out of or uh, a a love that you've put out there that hasn't been returned and so maybe these type of lyrics are kind of speaking to you not in a direct way but in a more ambient way because you're more getting into the groove you're dancing and you just want lyrics that say something like what is love you know what am i doing what's going on it's not a kind of a lyric that you are 
taking the entirety of and a kind of complete thought that is finished, but rather just a a kind of atmosphere that you're taking part of that also includes smoke and lights and a cocktail that you're drinking or other things that you're consuming at a club. So it'd be more nebulous than anything. That's right. Okay. So this is the thing. I want this to be like a country song that runs linear, but we're in the dance music world and uh, our guide here is letting us know that I can't expect it to be the guilt-free pleasure that I've been following when we do Aaron Neville and Linda Rodstadt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's just a more atmospheric, non-linear type of experience. And maybe at that dance club, you find someone that answers that question, what is love for that moment? Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you sort of experience that ubiquity together. This is where you're such a hypocrite because you know the word ubiquity is a derivative of ubiquitous and you used it correctly, but you made fun of me. (laughs) Ready? Because Fleetwood Mac knew it, but they didn't call it ubiquity. They called it everywhere. Because it's ubiquity. Ubiquity is a dancer. (laughs) I thought that was rhythm. Rhythm is a dancer. That would be good. That would go good on the, the mixtape. Yeah, yeah. Who sings that? I have no idea. Snap. Oh, Snap. Oh, okay, yeah. Another probably German group made up of some guy who lived in five different places. And, and a yeah. robot girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, this is very odd for us to be stuck here in lyrical analysis where it's like, wait a second. These are like words... But they're not meant to... It's like an early version of AI, Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah, okay. But in a better way, because we've said this before for other songs, that it doesn't make sense until you hear the sounds. But when you say AI, and I hear this sound, it feels like music also written by a program. Yeah, exactly. And that's what a lot of disco music is. It's It has a kind of robotic sense to it, because right. disco music was that first type of music to you know embrace electronic sounds. And electronic sounds were people held them in disdain because they thought they were cold or you know non-human or inorganic in some way. But disco kind of incorporated that feeling into its composition. Do you think the video helps open things up in terms of understanding what's going on here? I have two notes about the video. Sexy Draculas. (laughs) There it is. Yeah, we got vampires, we got a mansion. Hey, let's make a video. We're going to rent a room in a mansion and a hallway for one night to make this video. I've got three lights (laughs) and two uh, ladies and two costumes and a cello. Let's make a video. It has a very German expressionist feel to it because of all the shadow. It absolutely does not, Frank. You try. Oh, no, it does. It does. It does. I will beg to differ, Bill. It does have a German expressionist. It has shadows. No, listen. Okay. Nosferatu. Yes. F.W. Murnau film. Lots of reverse motion in Nosferatu. To connote uh, something satanic or or unnatural or demonic. And a lot of these these vampire ladies are moving in reverse motion. There's reverse smoke in the Can in you the very please beginning. refer to them as sexy Draculas? Yeah, how are we referring to the dancers, the dancing Dracula ladies in this in this video? Sexy. Okay, yes. All well, right. one of them is wearing a very kinky outfit. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
Now, I know you have a PhD <laughs> and you're a film professor, and I did an independent study project in our grade 13 film Yeah, so we're kind of on the same on, level in yeah, our yeah. understanding of German expression. And I guess I'm, I, I'm looking more at like black and white and maybe certain other stuff, and maybe the Tim Burton stuff has influenced me too much, and I just feel this feels more Steinman-esque. That's exactly what I had. If, it, if Jim Steinman made a techno video, read that. Read my notes. <laughs> Who's Jim Steinman? Jim, Jim Steinman techno video. If Jim Steinman made a techno video, this is what it would look like. Sexy gothic, sexy Dracula, woman in reverse. You put woman in reverse on there? Yeah, those are my only notes on the video. Okay, can I ask you guys this, though? Yeah. Don't you think it's very strange to watch someone doing something in reverse yeah 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 you're absolutely unsettling right because right? it's unnatural and it's just familiar but off it's uncanny yes like in the um nelson video oh yeah that's, that's right a, they but do reverse motion it is, yeah yeah it's very unsettling yeah like children of the corn well it's mostly their hair but. <laughs> yeah. now i would do anything for love but i won't do that i think comes out after this or they're shot at the same time. In around the same time, yeah. Because 93 is oh, the release, but 93 okay. is when this song makes it in the States. Yes. And who knows when this video is shot. But I know Jim Steinman's been making these types of videos long before. Yeah. But I think there's a world for this type of kink. Yes. <laughs> there's an audience for a kind of a, a light kinkiness. But this also comes in... Think about the videos that came out, uh, similar music at the same time, uh, CNC Music Factory, Snap. So the sexy Dracula women in the video, they're wearing like bra tops and blazers and yeah. like biker shorts kind of a thing. Very similar to what CNC Music Factory, the, the women in that video were wearing in the Snap videos. It was all very, very similar. It's kind of that... That was the aesthetic for yeah. like dance music. I yeah, think. exactly. Yeah. Now, I feel like in those videos, they looked more like workout clothes. Yeah. And this one did not feel like they're doing like a workout. No, no, the, no. It was sexy gothic. Yeah. But I felt like... I know Nathan's looking at me like... It's like, perhaps, perhaps I just put that on the videos to sort of make sense of them. But this one, I was not able to make the same type of sense of. No. Like I said, it was sexy gothic, sexy Dracula. You've said sexy Dracula 18 times so far. The video has the same quality as the lyrics, which is you can watch any point of the video and kind of get the vibe. You don't have to, it's nonlinear. You don't have to watch from the beginning to the end. It's not telling a narrative in any way. No, there's not really a story about it. It's just putting attractive people together, dancing and doing like sexy gothic things. Wait, wait, did he, did he? In reverse. He got bit midway through or early on, but he wasn't a Dracula. About a third end. of the way through. But he wasn't a vampire at the end. No, he wasn't a Dracula, no. So then. Wait, how do we know that they're vampires? Well, because she bit him on the neck. Oh, I didn't see that part. But it was in reverse. So he yeah. was able to undo it. Maybe he Which wanted was it. really creepy if you watch that because she bites, but then she like comes up and she has these really wide eyes and it's, it's really, really disturbing. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to sound pretentious, but just to mention again, one of the ways in Nosferatu that the director creates an unsettling feeling around this vampiric creature is to use reverse motion mm -hmm. a number of times. And this is in the 1920s, and you know they understand that a really basic thing that you can do 
with uh, moving images is put them in reverse and it'll unsettle people in some way. Yeah. Right? I will accept that there's German expressions in this, especially because it was done by Germans. Yeah. And they were expressing themselves. <laughs> well, we don't so know what, who to... made the video, do you think? Do you think the Germans made the video? That's a good question. It was a German record label, Coconut. So yeah, Coconut maybe, Records. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was a yeah European. I maybe. feel it has to be European because there's no way the censors would allow this in America. The video was directed by a German music video director, Volker Hanwacker. I am not making that name up. All right. Anything else on that on Volker Handwacker's uh, resume? Uh, no, he actually doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so I can't look that up. Oh, I love that stuff. The Wikipedia page has like an analysis of the music video as well, as well as even Hathaway's interpretation of the song is on there. Oh, interesting. He we said, people always ask me about what I meant. I meant that what is love needs to be defined by everyone by his own definition. It's unique and individual. For me... It has to do with trust, honesty, and dedication. I would say to Hathaway, you didn't write the song, Hathaway. Sounds like a cop-out to me. It's a total cop-out. And also, the way he defines it uniquely and individually is a definition that, like, millions of people would use. So... He just gave us a chat GPT definition (laughs) of love. Okay. But still, we love this song. Love it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, well, speaking of it, what's your favorite part of the song? Since we haven't really sold our love for it. It is so ingrained in popular culture through the release of the song, the SNL skit, and the Night at the Roxbury movie. But when that, sorry, yeah, when, when, when the music steps. hits, like that, that eh, 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 no, wait, I got the NHL 94 uh, song. <laughs> We just re-listened to the song and felt like I had lost my love for it as we attempted to do other analyses. But I'm back in and I'm all in. I'm so into this song. It sounds, you know, after we go into the lyrics, we, it sounds like, you know, we have no love for the song. But what is love? It's enjoying a song and just having a good time. Yeah. For me, and I think we all agreed on this while we were listening to it, the lyrics really don't play a part in our favorite parts. It's all the music that surrounds it that really pushes everything forward. For me, it would be right near the beginning. You have that piano sort of synth coming in and then the bass before the drums hit and just kind of setting everything up for this amazing song. That's the part that I really, really like. I'm going to say I love the piano stab part of it. It puts it in that. You know, it it is a house song, and that was like kind of the trademark of house music, that use of the piano and that particular style of playing. You know what I'm going to say? I actually like the background vocals. The the vocals that they bought that were, uh, you know, who knows who did these beautiful, amazing vocals, but they do the job here, and they're they're necessary for this song. I'm saying the same. It's those backing vocals, Robot yeah. 621-8 from the CD track 62. And let's get the, the let's get the name of this woman who did this, you know? Like she deserves to be uh credited for the for the power of the song, I think. And I think we will be doing that research. We will find out. Yeah. You will do that until you die. That is the hill that we will die on. Yeah. 
Well, you might. I'll, I might go back home. I want to be with the family and everything, but I will leave you there and I will let you accomplish your task, Frank. No, and that makes sense because I don't have anything to live for because I'm all alone. Uh, the other part of the song that I really like is the other synth part that I don't know how I don't know what you would call it, but it just goes dun 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 dun. dun yeah, yeah. That kind of almost melodic part, I guess, yeah. of the song. Yeah. I don't know if this song has a bridge because I can't hear it because I just get into a zone when I hear the song and I don't really remember exactly what I heard. And sometimes I'd use that as a criticism, but for this. This is a great song. To We're in clean- a different territory. It's fine. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Because this is a great song to clean the house to. Yeah. This is a great song to do something to. Like drive down the highway at yeah. night? Yeah. I do remember being when I was in university at clubs. And again, this was kind of on the cusp of becoming retro because it's five years removed. And if this song came on and my friends and I, we thought we were the coolest people in the world because, well, we were. But and everyone else, their friends also thought that they were the coolest people in the world because they were doing the same thing. But we did it way cooler than everyone else. But we would imitate that whole Saturday Night Live skit because it was so part of the culture at the time. Well, and... It only came out in 98, so you, yeah. it's around that time. Interestingly, I'm playing this song for the eighth time this morning. Elijah comes up to talk to me, and as he's talking, his head starts moving. No word of a lie. Like the Roxbury, but just not as pronounced. Yeah. And clearly, he's there and in the zone. The song speaks, and you know when a child hears a song, and immediately they're dancing to it without yeah. knowing it. The song has that love that we don't even understand. Was that skit from Saturday Night Live smarter than we gave it credit for? Maybe it was like a Pavlovian or like a carnal response to the music. Maybe they recognized that it was a great song too. And they were trying to, you know, try to disavow the power of it somehow by making it funny. And really, they too were moved by that song. That sounds stupid. Have you listened to the podcast? It all sounds (laughs) No, I just mean that the... It's unfair to the song to now have it be the butt of this joke when actually the song helped sustain a very funny joke because, I mean, I don't think they could have done that, this skit with any other song. I remember when this came out because Saturday Night Live was kind of stinking it up for a couple seasons. Yes. And then Jim Carrey was coming back and he hadn't really done comedy. He was he was in a different mode. I'm just looking at his filmography and he had done, like he He'd done some other stuff, but he wasn't really doing sketch comedy. Yeah. I think this is around the time the Truman Show was coming yeah. out. Yeah. And he's trying to kind of build things up. And when he was hosting Saturday Night Live, it was a big deal because they hadn't seen him on a show like this in years. Yeah. Since maybe Ace Ventura. And it was like the best Saturday Night Live that I'd seen in years. And this sketch didn't come on right away. I, if I recall, it was one of the later sketches. Yeah, yeah. And it was hilarious to me i just couldn't stop laughing well it was the the shiny suits the whole sort of club culture and the song was so ridiculous to me then but you knew it you knew that song yeah i can't remember if i had the associations of you know that they were making in that skit to that type of guy before that skit came out or after it because there was a long. i think there was a long time when you know i had certain associations with what type of person would listen to the song? And they would be 
driving a particular type of Honda with a particular type of running light underneath it. Yeah, yeah. And going to particular clubs in Oshawa, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you sound like you're speaking from experience. We're going to do this category quick. We do it all the time. Apparently not quite as popular as we like to think. The Michael Bolton cover. I don't understand what you're laughing about now. I have a Michael Bolton cover for you, Frank. Okay. Okay, it's easy. Michael Bolton's going to do the song. Yeah. And Celine Dion is going to do the robot Oh, part. she's going to do the robot yeah. ver- this is This is a no-brainer. Yeah. And it amps it up to crazy levels. Does he do a dance version or does he do a ballad version of this? I have him doing like basically the exact same backing track. <laughs> Just singing, maybe even over top of the original vocal. Okay. <laughs> That's my version. Do you have a balloting it? Because there is a Canadian ballad, isn't there? Yeah, there is a version of it by, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kaisa? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No, no. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Yeah, so it takes it, it slows it down, and it's more, what I would say, aligned with the lyrics of it. Because it's someone questioning about what love is, as opposed to dancing to it. Nathan's trying to shove a pen right now through his ear. You don't like this version? This is the worst thing I've ever heard. This is so bad. You've listened to Breakfast at Tiffany's. This is the worst thing you've heard? No. (laughs) This is fair enough. There's nothing wrong with DBS. The worst type of music is the earnest cover of some garbage dance song i'm with i'm with nate this is awful i gotta say i do usually gravitate towards like oh that's so thoughtful like the follow you follow me that singer who slept in your uh your house oh um uh adeline yeah 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 yeah. um that was really good but this totally misunderstands the song because she's saying well it's really depressing like there's nothing there the song's just all over the place. Yeah. So right. yeah, um, the song needs to be what it like. The song needs to be a pounding, hands in the air dance track. Coffee house music can be a blight. Oh yeah. Do you agree, Frank? I have seen artists who are so caught up in themselves and their versions of songs and their own songs. I remember watching, and this has nothing to do with this <laughs> song at all. But I remember watching an opening act for an artist I was seeing in Toronto and he lit candles all around the stage and everything. And he got applause after one of his songs. Like, Oh, you guys were listening. I didn't think anyone listened to music anymore. (laughs) Oh "Oh, my goodness. Like how Uh, pretentious are you? Oh, that sucks. After he lit candles all around. Oh, I know it was brutal. It was awful. What is music? Yeah. What is music? (laughs) Keza will probably like sing this like really quiet, like, quietly and then like the idea is like once you oh it's it's what is love but it's like she's singing it so what is love you're attacking frank's love of jewel right now yeah, oh. honestly <laughs> would you do this at karaoke there's a lot of downtime in it so i don't think that you can really do it i mean absolutely not i would not do this no yeah 
I would love to see someone do this at karaoke. I don't think I personally could do it. No. And I'd go for a drink midway through that. I'd enjoy it for a while, but this four Just minutes can feel very long. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So where do you think you would hear the song other than Clifton Hill? For those of you who don't know what Clifton Hill is, it's a very steep hill in Niagara Falls that you would drive around in your car and play music very loud. And there's also like amusement park rides outside. So there's lots of people walking around. Fun place. It's like a, it's like a, maybe the Niagara Falls equivalent of like the Jersey Shore or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Except there's no shore because, you know, you just fall over the falls and <laughs> yeah, that's right. Probably just die. a lot of barrels. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you would hear this in one of those like, teeny bop stores in the 90s at like your local mall yeah that played really loud music and had like maybe fluorescent lights and and jeans that were overpriced and never fit for tall thin guys like the version of forever 21 that existed in the 90s yeah that's where i feel i'd hear chateau oh yeah yeah ardeen (laughs) yes i feel it's time for Remix Corner? Yeah. Well, listen, guys. Um, this is a dance song, so there's going to be some remixes, right? Well, there's the Kiza version that you love so much. That's a cover, not a remix. Gotcha. Yeah. Let the master speak, Frank. Don't presume to understand what a remix is. Well, listen, we've done Remix Corners in the in the past. It's a pop song that comes out that needs to be fitted for the dance floor with a kind of an extended version maybe a more you know maybe some some drums added to make it more dance floor friendly here we already have a dance track that is ready for the dance floor but maybe there needs to be different versions for different dance type settings and for different dance music audiences so that's what you're getting here in remix corner today but listen first of all this single comes out you've got the radio mix You've got the uh, 12-inch mix, which is maybe a longer version of the radio mix. And then you've got the club mix, which, again, has some different beats uh, underneath it for uh, maybe a a darker or a more later night uh, club setting. So that's just to start. You know there's more, Oh, my goodness. Spotify, I mean, you just go to Hathaway, and most of it is what is love, and there's just so much to choose from. There's a, a single of remixes that comes out around the same time as the single, and you've got the What Is Love Eat This mix, the What Is Love Tour to Trance mix. Th- th- that's kind of the remix album. And I listened to these mixes. They're not going to be really well-suited for any dance floor today. They're a little uh, trancey, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know. They sound a little bit bad. Gotcha. Yeah, I found it tough. I uh, Oh, did you listen to some of these remixes? Yeah, I tried. I never was much of a remix guy. I always found it tough. I, I always wanted to stick to whatever I was familiar with. Right. 12-inch mixes I do like, so I feel like I'm coming around because they're just longer. Like, okay, I can handle that. Yeah, I mean, again, if you're going to play this at a wedding, you're going to want to use maybe the the 12-inch mix so you can have right. a little bit of a longer time on the dance floor with right. this f- fun, familiar song. I feel this would be a good wedding song. Yeah, I think it's a dance floor filler. Yeah? Definitely. Recently, we have the... Uh, in 2003... Or 2013. I don't know. I think... Neither of those are terribly (laughs) recent. (laughs) Okay, so in 2003, guys, um, Hathaway put out What Is Love Reloaded, a whole new set of remixes. Again, trying to capitalize on this great song that they made and trying to wring out a few more dollars uh, out of it. And you've got here uh, What Is Love, the Reloaded mix, What Is Love, the What Is Club mix, Gen... 
O's Hard Remix uh, and the Lunaris Remix. And I listened to these, and they do go a little bit harder uh, and a little bit darker. Anyway, uh, none of these remixes are very good. They're made of, maybe of historical interest only. Uh, don't recommend them for any of your uh, weddings or get-togethers. Stick my recommendation, Nathan's recommendation for this week is stick with the What Is Love 12-inch remix. That's going to get you where you need to go. Let's hear about your mixtapes. Well, yeah, I almost forgot the mixtape. I've been waiting to hear your mixtapes all night. So I'm going to let Bill go first because mine is terribly awesome. All right, great. What I went for were songs that evoke the same era or sound feel. Okay. And so I love, um, this. I love this. And I picked songs that I liked, especially from that era. Like okay. there's some that might fit, but I'm like, I don't want to hear that one. I want to hear these ones. So I have Ride on Time by Black Box. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And um, Another Night, Real McCoy. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Another Night, Another Dream. Perfect. Oh, man. It's so Perfect. great. I'm listening to this mixtape on the way home. Great. Please Don't Go, KWS. Yes. Great song. Rhythm as a Dancer, Snap. And then finally, I'm ending with London Beat, I've Been Thinking About You. Okay. Which to me was the end of that sound. Yeah. So after London Beat, I felt like that sound kind of ended. And London Beat, to me, was like a final surge where they kind of felt like they came out of nowhere where they weren't making this music anymore, but it still went to number one. So clearly, we couldn't get enough of it. We're going to listen to all these songs uh, yeah. after this episode is over and, and, and then go to Clifton Hill. What you're also going to do is listen to my mixtape. Now, the theme of my mixtape is songs that were featured in Saturday Night Live movies. So we are going to start off with Everything's Coming Up Roses by Ethel Merman from Stuart Saves His Family. Wait, no, no one watched that movie, did I they? No, no. Did you? No. Oh, okay. All right. Thank goodness. But the song's on it. Then we're going to go with Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith from the movie It's Pat. I, I'm already in pain. Then we're two songs in. Please tell me it's a three-song mixtape. <laughs> Tainted Love by Soft Cell in the Coneheads movie. You didn't put Soul to Squeeze? All right. Sorry. Go on. Okay. Sister Christian by Night Ranger from Superstar. Okay. All right. Who's That Lady by the Isley Brothers in The Ladies' Man. Have you seen these movies? Yes. You saw The Ladies' Man? Yeah. How? It's terrible. I watch terrible movies, Bill. All right. Is Austin Powers a Saturday Night Live movie? No. Okay. But we're going to finish it off from Wayne's World. World. So I know everyone's thinking I'm going to go with Bohemian Rhapsody, but no, I'm going to go... Bohemian Rhapsody. No. Everything About You by Ugly Kid Joe. Oh no! Well, why would you? Why would you do that to our crowd? No, no, don't do that. Ironically, you could go to Clifton Hill with this. this Yeah, that would still work, uh, which is an indictment on Clifton Hill. I told you this was the most trying mixtape I've ever put together. Man, how long did you spend uh, researching that? It took at least forty-two minutes. 
I gave you a mixtape that you're ready to ready made for you just to add naturally. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I can't believe I gotta look up these songs and put it on a play. <laughs> you're killing. You killed my playlist. <laughs> You have to put that those songs on a playlist? Well, we generally put in all our songs together in yeah. one Frankenstein mix. <laughs> oh, really? No. You, you're going to ruin Bill's mix with your crappy songs, Frank. Can we have my own separate mix for this? Yeah, we can. Okay. I'll put a link, but it'll you be linked to You need to isolate to a... these mixes. This, <laughs> Bill has the good mix. Frank has, has the, the great mix. Yes. Very right. bad mix. Yeah. I'll do that, but I'll make a link to a link so people don't actually have to Go to your music Make and then it so link. There's like a two-factor identification for Frank's thing. That's right. <laughs> there is a certain group of people who will love this mix and everything that it comes from. All right. I will put yours in as a link, Frank. Okay. I appreciate that. At the very bottom after yeah. we mentioned Ian McLean. After everything. Yeah. <laughs> after all the hashtags. Yeah. After like 1,600 hashtags. That's right. And I'm going to hit enter about 18 times. Just... Just put it in like a two-point font. <laughs> uh, both of those mixtapes were very cohesive and well thought out, as they always are. Yeah, exactly. Mine had a theme. I want to thank Nate Holmes for joining us once again and for helping us wade through the murky, sometimes waters of dance music. We've learned a lot of new things here, Frank. It was a very ubiquitous experience. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. One thing that I forgot to mention is one thing that makes dance music very important to me is that I actually met my wife on the dance floor. Oh, wow. I'm very in love with. And I uh, just want to say um, dance music uh, can bring love to people's lives. That's fantastic because I've met a lot of wives on the dance floor. <laughs> So I guess you could say that when Hannaway asks this question, what is love? When Nate Holmes is on the dance floor and sees Chris, he gets his answer. You know what, Bill? You, you pose those questions and I don't know what can I do. What else can I say? It's all up to you. Thank you for listening to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures.